Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. everyone and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz with College Prep Genius. This is podcast number 48 and today we are going to talk with our um, our host here. Our co-host is, is Jean Burke who's on the line. Hi Jean. Hey Felice. I'm just getting jumping in because uh, <laughs> this is such a good topic. So today we're going to talk about the SAT versus the ACT and the real truth. Um, again, this is Podcast 48, and you can find the show notes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. And, Jean, uh, before we jump into this great topic, which I'm excited about because um, I'm going to share a couple of little things that actually happened to us, um, tell everyone about your website, um, which is collegeprepgenius.com, and uh and a little bit more about your online course. Well, what we do and what we've been doing for 14 years is we've been teaching kids on how to ace standardized tests. And why that's such a big deal is because the higher your test score, of course, the more scholarship money you get. Most people, I think, don't realize that colleges get their rankings nationally based on test scores. So when you have a great score, you raise their overall average and they're going to roll out your red, the red carpet and give you, you know, anything from full ride to free tuition to room and board, grad school money, everything paid for. Um, you know, 85% of colleges admit and give scholarship money just simply based on a test score like an SAT. And so it, it's that important. And even though, you know, your audience, you know, you've got homeschoolers, public school students, private school students, really makes no difference where you go to school. The the problem is when colleges look at a student's application and you may have a 4.0, the problem is that is that your 4.0 at your school is not the same at another school because every school calculates their scores differently. And so everybody looks the same on paper. So the only fair way that a college can compare all students equally is the SAT because it levels the playing field. So, yes, math and English and history, those things are all very, very important. Um, but none of those things will get you a full ride to college. And so I'm just such a big believer in incorporating test prep into your daily school. If you're homeschooled, if you're not, you can certainly do it after school or on the weekends. Um, but it, it, it totally can be life-changing because the higher your score, of course, you could get hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars scholarship money. Uh, you know, coming in your coming your way. So uh, definitely worth something. You know, we show you how to answer every question in 30 seconds or less and how not to fall for the trick answers. So, uh, it, you know, any questions, you know, you know, come to our website and hopefully we can answer them for you. Sure. And how old do you recommend a student starting to study for the SAT or ACT? To be honest, I if, if possible, seventh grade. And, of course, not all seventh graders are mature enough that really can – you know, start working on it, but most are. Uh, you know, I had a, just a lady email me a couple of days ago. She's got a fifth grader who's already doing some college work, and I've had that. Be, you know, I've had students like that before. And it, as a parent, you know, you know your own kids, and you know she her her mom knows that she can hold her own, which is okay. But I would say seventh grade is possible. Uh, at the very latest, ninth grade, 
at that point because you still have time on your side. And, you know, it's, it's, it's proven fact that the students who start the earliest are the ones who typically score the highest, have the most improvement, get the most money, and go to the best colleges. Very good. Okay. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, the difference between um, the SAT and the ACT and really the truth. And um, as I've shared with Eugene before, and I may have shared on previous episodes, uh, that, um, you know, I was told that my kids wouldn't get into college because they were taking the wrong standardized test. And it was, you know, by a mom, I was I was sitting uh, where else but at a softball field or mm-hmm. baseball field is where I can be found. And um, and this mom was very vehement that I was, you know, incorrect. And I said to her, I said, well, I took the SAT and got into college. And, um, you know, that this is a, a good test. And she said, oh, no, no, that's the old way of doing it. So today you're going to share number one here with what is the biggest myth about the SAT. The biggest myth about the SAT or the ACT, actually. Um, okay. I think the the big, well, the, there's a lot of myths about both, but one of the ones I want to share with your listeners about the ACT, and this is something that I, I hear, you know, everywhere I go, and especially so more of the middle states, or as we now call them, the flyover states. Um, this is where I, I, you know, I will be talking about the SAT, and I will have um, people come up to me and say, you know, we, you know, we only do the ACT here. Well, the biggest myth that has been sold to uh, families, to schools, is that the ACT is knowledge-based. It's all about content. It's all about what you learn in school uh, as opposed to the SAT is more reasoning. Well, this is actually not true. And the reason why people believe this is that the ACT company, the American College Test, has spent a lot of money just promoting themselves as as this test about what you know and what your child has learned. And so most students, most families are going to think, well, that's the kind of test I want my child to take because, you know, obviously it's going to test their knowledge. You know, if you go on both the ACT and the SAT website, they both, both of them say that the information learned, uh, the, the tests are all about, you know, what you learn in high school. Both of them say that. That is absolutely not true. These, these tests are logic tests. Both the SAT and, and ACT are logic tests. And they both have recurring patterns. And they are learnable tests. And I think if people understand what a standardized test is, it would really help them to see that whether you're taking an SAT or an ACT or a PSAT or the AP test or any of these tests, um, that, that it really doesn't matter what you're told or what you've heard. The bottom line is if a company writes a standardized test, Number one, they have to follow the same patterns and the same concepts and rules and profiles every time they write a test, which means every test has to be the same as every other test. That is what makes it standardized. It's also the component that's common to everyone. So no matter where you live, whether it's Florida or Texas or Illinois, it has to be questions that are normalizing that anyone can answer. It wouldn't be about Texas history because somebody maybe in Alaska wouldn't know how to answer it. So it has to be something that equalizes everyone, and then it has to have the same grading system that applies to everyone. So just by understanding the standardized test, you can know that it cannot be about knowledge or content, but it has to be something other that is written the same every time and that anybody anywhere can answer and and do well on. Very good. 
So that is true, and I still thought that th that, that was knowledge-based, so I just learned something today. Um, that That's astounding to me, um, Jean, that, that that myth is being perpetrated. And, and the schools, too, they'll tell you that. Isn't, isn't that correct? Oh, ab absolutely. And I think schools, you know, again, they, they're trying to keep their head above water as it is, so they don't necessarily know this information or even have the t ability to learn it. You know, the, the sad thing, having taught in many, many public and private schools across this nation, is that the average counselor is so overwhelmed. I mean, their, their plate is so full with changing schedules and, you know, dealing with discipline problems. And many of them just don't know this information or, or, or they're repeating the same thing that they've heard for the last 30 years. So I think mm -hmm. that there definitely needs to be some education to help them because what they're doing is they're unfortunately giving students wrong advice. Right, right. So, um, okay, so we're going to talk about the differences and similarities in the two tests. Um, when we come right back, we're going to take a quick commercial break. With College Prep Genius, free college can happen to you. That's right. It's never too early to start thinking about test prep to secure your future. Imagine getting free tuition, room and board, free grad school, and more based on your SAT score. College Prep Genius is the key to free. This award-winning, nationally featured program teaches students the logic behind the SAT. You'll learn to answer every question in 30 seconds, raise your score as much as 600 points, and go to the college of your dreams for free. Visit College Prep Genius to know more. and welcome back. This is Felice Gerwitz with Jean Burke on the line, and today we are talking about the SAT versus the ACT, The Real Truth. This is podcast number 48, and you can find more information and the show notes on collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast, and be sure to visit Jean's site at collegeprepgenius.com. Well, Jean, before we went to break, I learned something new, and that is that uh, the ACT is not knowledge-based, as we all thought it was, and we thought, you know, just the SAT is, is reasoning and the ACT wasn't. So that was something that I had never known before. Now you're going to talk about how they are similar. Exactly. And, you know, both of them are used for college entrance. Both of them are used for scholarship money. And, you know, they're about 99% the same test which I'm going to talk about, but there, but a hundred percent of colleges take either one. So as you were sharing with me earlier about someone telling you that, well, colleges don't take the SAT anymore. That's actually absolutely false. Every single college takes either one. So it really makes no difference which, which one your child takes. And, you know, very interestingly, I was at a homeschool conference the other day and uh, I was talking to someone and a lady comes up and she said, Oh, well, they're getting, you know, I overheard telling one of my, someone who's, at my booth, oh, they're getting rid of the, the SAT and the ACT. They're just using another new test now. And I kind of just shook my head and thought, you know, I don't know where people get this information because that's not true. And there, there are some other tests being introduced, but keep in mind, any other test that's being introduced is not going to get your child scholarship money. So when you're looking into some of these uh, companies that are promoting themselves as the, you know, the um, – uh, sort of the alternative to SAT and ACT, yeah, it it may get you into some colleges. It's, you know, it's probably not widely accepted at this point, 
uh, but it's certainly not going to give you any scholarship money because that the colleges aren't going to get their rankings because of that score. But when it comes mm-hmm. down to the two tests as, as a whole, they, they really are about 99% the same test. The SAT is three hours long with, with a, an optional 50-minute essay, and the ACT is three hours and 25 minutes long. Both test reading, writing, math in some form. The reading on the um, SAT, reading is called uh, reading, uh, and it's called reading on the ACT, are both about passages and really just justifying information from the passage and pretty much being able to um, have a restatement of the, of the answer choices. The ACT does have fewer citations. The, the writing section on the SAT is called writing and language. On the ACT, it's called English. Both test grammar style, and reading analysis. The uh, math section on both tests uh, have pretty much the same thing as far as testing basic math, some algebra, some geometry. Both have a couple trig questions. Uh, the, the real difference in the math is that there's no grid in boxes on the ACT, and on the SAT, it contains some geometry formulas, which are not on the ACT. And then the, the essay probably, t- in, in my opinion, the essay is the biggest difference because the essay on the ACT is persuasive like the old SAT essay, and then the SAT, new SAT essay uh, is analytical. And then, of course, uh, the um, science section is on the ACT but not the SAT. Uh, but here's, here's the good news. You don't have to know one iota of scientific knowledge to ace the science section on the, um, the ACT. It's really nothing more than a combination of pretty much – uh, reading and basic math. So it's pretty much like the SAT reading section. So if you've never had biology or chemistry or anatomy and physiology, any of that, you can still get a perfect score on your ACT science section. Okay. So I think. So let me ask on the SAT, what did you say that the, um, the writing section was? Because ACT is persuasive and SAT is what? Um, analytical on the, on the okay. essay. Yes. Right, on the essay. And, That's what I meant. Yeah. Well, so, so what happens is when the uh, – on the ACT, you're going to get a prompt question. It's usually uh, very often about uh, some kind of high school life. It might say, hey, you know, uh, should uh, uniforms be mandatory? So you're given a prompt question, very much like the old SAT. Uh, you're given 40 minutes to actually – uh, finish it. That was just changed this last year. They changed it up to mm-hmm. 40 minutes, and it's optional, like the SAT. So it's going to be about some kind of public policy having to do with high school life. And of course, you should always consider certainly a, a counter argument. Whereas the SAT essay is now analytical. You're going to be given um, an already high quality published piece of work that could be speech, document, article, and then you have to write an essay based on the the given work. So that's mainly the difference. And the ACT essay prompt is very similar to the old SAT where you're just given a question and then you could come in, you could bring personal experiences or literature or history, uh, but not so on the SAT essay. It's all analytical based on the essay that you're given. Okay. The, the other couple couple things, too, that I think people don't know when it comes to SAT versus ACT is that SAT scores are not averaged. ACT scores, the sections are averaged. 
you can take the um, ACT only 12 times. The SAT is unlimited, so you can take it as many times as you want. I mean, you can start your young kids, you know, sixth, seventh grade if you want. Uh, the SAT is offered seven times a year, and the S- ACT is offered six times a year. But the, the great thing about uh, the both tests is there's a, there's an easy crossover of information. Uh, it's not hard to go from one test to the other. So I am a big believer in trying them both. I mean, both of them have free tests online that you can download uh, and you can actually practice with them to see. Maybe you might do a little bit better on one or the other, but, um, again, not not a lot of difference. So right. it really, does, it really doesn't from- matter. And the information that you teach, teach is applicable to both. I'm not even having you answer that question. I'm answering it for you. Because, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, Michael has taken the uh, – um, well, both my kids took your, your course. They, back then it was on um, the, the video, the VHS cassettes. Uh, so it's, it's been a while since I've, I've been involved with Gene's stuff. But then, you know, we got the DVDs, and then uh, now they're actually online – and Mike did the in-person class, which I highly recommend. So go to collegeparkgenius.com, and they've got a great website, and you can find where Jean is or um, one of the people that um, work for her that help you um, host some classes in your own town. But he was able to use some of your um, analytical um, teaching, that, that you know the skills that he learned from the SAT test to answer um, some of his uh, tests at school when he did not know the answer. And he said it's really been helpful this year because he has a history professor that really wants them to know their stuff so that what they're having to do is he gives them two answers that are very close to being right. You know, like it could, you have to really know which one is right. And so he's like, you know, every little brain cell has to be used because of how it's worded and he said he he really learned that whereas Anne's got a she's at another college and she's taking history her professor is requiring a couple of sentences no fill in the blank no nothing no nothing you've got to just be able to write a few sentences and convince him you know the answer and again if they hadn't done so well on the essay portions and 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 you know, studying for that or practicing. I wouldn't even call it studying, Gene. So this is stuff that they're not going to just use for the test. This is going to give them life skills. Thank you. That is so true. Uh, you know, I, I get to hear the success stories, not only those kids who've gotten perfect ACT scores or amazing SAT scores from my program, but, you know, over the years people have told me, hey, you're, did you know that you're, you're, your information worked on the military test. Uh, it worked on the FBI test. Worked on wow. the uh, CPA test. Uh, I had a lady uh, say worked on the NCLEX, the nursing test. A guy came up to my booth when I was in Arizona last year, and he, he came up to me and said, "Hey, I want to try something." He said, "We have your, your program, and at my job, we had to take what's called the performance security, a professional performance security test." And he said, "Because I had been listening to your stuff, um, I was able to pass it." I was the only person in my entire my my workplace, the whole job. Nobody passed but me. I was like, wow. wow. Um, and then when I was in um, Missouri last year, uh, the uh, the director came in while I was speaking. You know, she, I, I spoke ten times, and she walked in. She's such a sweetie, and she walked in and she says, "Can I interrupt your class?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh yes, you're the director. Go right ahead." 
She goes, I, you know, speaking, I was speaking to this group of people, you know, and hundreds of people. And she says, can I say something? And I'm like, okay. And she says, I was in the hallway and a lady stops me. And she says, I want to tell you about Jean's program. She goes, we own it. And she goes, I actually attempted to um, get a job at Hobby Lobby. And I failed their test to get to be able to be employed there three times. And I watched the program, and then I finally passed it. So who knew my program would work on Hobby Lobby tests, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so which, which is great. So but, you great. know, no, you're right. It is, it is test-taking skills. And, you know, I said this before, you know, not only did, you know, we get free college and amazing scholarship money, and I've taught that to tens of thousands of people. Um, but, you know, the skills where my daughter used to earn free grad school, you know, my son used the logic skills to, you know, get free law school, I've had kids who've got pre-med school. You know, once you learn test-taking strategies, you approach these tests very, very differently, not as in content or what you know, but how to look at each question very logically with a critical eye. And so test-taking skills are a necessary component that's going to help us, like you say, in all parts of our life. So very, very important. Okay, so so they can download the tests online and um, practice that way. So are there any other differences and similarities that you wanted to cover? Well, I wanted to talk about – well, no, no, no. You know, I can talk a little bit more about – there there was actually a couple subtle changes last year to the ACT. Okay. And nobody nobody really heard about it. You know, there was a big fanfare, you know, when the SAT changed and there was all this commotion going on. Um, But the the ACT quietly – you know, added, changed the, the timing to their essay to 40 minutes, and they also added some sub-scores. Sub but you didn't really hear about that. And, you know, because they didn't, you know, I guess want to make a big deal. It's kind of like, and I don't know if your listeners know this, and this was just announced recently, and, again, no fanfare about this, but the SAT is just is now uh, going to be offering an August SAT. And the oh, reason wow. why, yeah, listen to this. The reason why this is so important is because no, not a lot of people are going to know about it. And so that means everybody out there should be taking this August SAT because that means there's going to be a lot less students taking it. And based on the bell curve, you know, your students can do uh, a lot better on the scoring because you're not going to have a, a huge amount of competition. It's, it's kind of like, and I don't know if you remember this, Felice, or not, but uh, two or three years ago when the, they announced that the SAT was changing, there was a, a guy who wrote an article, and he got it into the Huffington Post. And he told everybody, don't don't take the SAT uh, because it's changing, because we really don't know what's going to be on it. And, you know, it's, it's you know, it's let, the, let, let them work out the bugs, you know, just take the ACT. And this, this guy was in the Huffington Post. And so I got so much uh, emails and phone calls about this guy. And, and of course, I wrote a rebuttal. To it, and I sent it to the Huffington Post, but they didn't. They didn't uh, publish it, of course. Um, but you know, the bottom line truth of this was: this guy, he, he had an ACT program, and he charged twenty thousand dollars a student. So you wow. can see why he was he was discouraging everybody and coming up with some great expert. Well, I was on the other side telling people you do need to take the new SAT and the new PSAT, um, especially since everybody's telling you not to. Because the scores are going, you're going to do, you're going to have a better chance of getting a better score. And the people that listened to me, I had so many National Merit Scholars uh, that wow. took the, the, the new PSAT. I hadn't even come out with my new program yet. They were still just using my old program on the new PSAT and scored high. 
And so those, the people that listened to me did really, really well. The people that listened to the guy that charged $20,000, you know, a student, well, you know, I don't, I don't know where they're at now. So um, there's a lot of false information out there, you know, and people can really, you know, try to st- stick it to families. Right. And then we also have a show on the PSAT. And just one thing I wanted to throw in, that if you miss the when the when the PSAT time is given, you can call the number. How how long do you have to do that while you're an 11th grader? You how long do you have time? If, if, oh, if you miss it as a junior, right? Well, if yes, you're still please. a junior and you missed it when they gave the test, how well, soon? You have, how soon? Well, until up until March 1st. So, okay. Which is yeah. But it is it is a, just it already is passed. A, okay. Yeah, it is a great okay. backup plan. But I, I did want to tell you too um, why there's such an easy crossover of information. Even before the SAT changed, they were still about 95% the same test. The reason why some students tend to have done a little bit better on the ACT or the uh, the SAT was the fact what's called the one third rule. So one third of students did a little better on the SAT. One third did a little bit on the ACT, and about one third did about the same. And the reason for that came down to formatting. The SAT was ten short sections, and the ACT was four long sections. Well, some students, when they were taking the ACT, had a very difficult time of sitting straight for one hour and doing all math, and that, so that, that they didn't do as well. Then some students couldn't um, switch their brain quickly enough on the SAT. So maybe you might do 20 minutes of writing and 25 minutes of reading and then 25 minutes of math. And so they had a hard time, you know, of switching back and forth. So that was really the main difference in why some kids did a little better on one than the other. Now, because they're both this, pretty much the same, they both are four long sections. And, and here's what happened. Back in 2012, David Coleman, who came, who came as the new president for the college board, realized that that, it, that year was the first year in history that more students took the SAT than the ACT than the SAT. There was 1.8 million who took the ACT and 1.7 million who took the SAT. So the first time in history, there were more ACT takers than SAT. So being a businessman and being someone who wanted to regain a piece of the pie, went and hired a bunch of ACT writers to rewrite the SAT. And that is why now you're going to see the, the, the formatting basically the same. You're going to have four long sections on both tests and an optional essay. So that's, that's really the bottom line, it, it, why they even changed the SAT in the first place. It all came down to money. Mm, wow. Isn't it how some things are, most things are? Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. But that's good to know. So we've got some, you've got some good um, comparisons there. And, and, you know, I like, Jamie, you know, even though you focus on SAT, you're not saying don't take the ACT, but here are some of the differences, and SATs are still viable. So what disservice do high schoolers, um, high schools do um, as far as telling their students? Because I know as homeschoolers we can, you know, make up our own mind and figure things out ourselves, but a lot of times um, – you know, my kids in particular play with other high school students, and they get told all kinds of things that those kids are being told by their teachers. So, um, you know, share that with us. Well, because I do speak 
in many, many states, you know, I, a lot of the places I go to, uh, like I said earlier, even more the middle states, you know, families will come up to me and say, you know, we only do the ACT here. We, you know, we don't do the SAT. This is what the, you know, the schools are telling the kids. And, you know, which again is ignorance because every college takes either one. So it doesn't really matter. But the fact that they're only telling the kids about the ACT and not the SAT, which means they are not telling them about the PSAT. And as you and I, you and I know, that PSAT is an amazing test. It can yield unbelievable scholarship money. And so that is, this is why students who are in these states have the – that's the states that have the lowest PSAT scores because schools are not telling them about it. Because if you're not talking about the SAT, you're certainly not talking about the PSAT. And so this is when I go to these states. And, the, and, and again, the people that listen to me, their kids become national merit scholars because they have some of the lowest scores, cutoff scores in those states. And so it, you're really missing out on this amazing opportunity for your students when you don't participate in the PSAT. And as your listeners have probably heard me say this many times, you know, we, we, we threw away seven trash bags of college offers on mm-hmm. my son's PSAT score. I mean, anything from full ride, free tuition, room and board, grad school, uh, spending cash, you know, honors dorms. I mean, the list went on and on, all based on one PSAT score. So for us, it was a life-changing test that set up for not only my daughter getting scholarship money, but me writing a book and creating a class and now in 14 years teaching tens of thousands of students how to get free college based on their test scores. So I am such a big believer in the PSAT. So that's why when people tell me that they only do the ACT there, you know, I have to try to set them straight. Some listen and some don't. But you know what? You know, I can't make anybody listen. I can just tell you the truth and, you know, let you make that that decision from then on. Yeah, that's true. So how can you um, take the SATs? if they're not offered at, you know, the high school, um, you know, that you know about, like if there's a local high school, um, how how can you do that? Sign what up you do is, them. yeah, exactly. You, what you could do is go to the College Board website, collegeboard.org, and click on where it says SAT and register, and then put your zip code in. And by putting in your zip code, it's going to pull up all the schools in your area that are giving the SAT. Same thing with ACT. You know, if you want to know what schools are giving the ACT, you go to ACT.org, and you also, you know, can find out what schools are giving it in your area as well. So I think that, um, again, because they're offered at different times, you know, your kids could be taking the SAT and the ACT, you know, um, simultaneously. You know, the, you know, maybe the only biggest hindrance might be money. Uh, the SAT is $52.50. Um, the ACT is $39.50, but if you add on the optional essay, they're going to charge you extra, and it comes to a total of $56.50. So, but now you can get waivers for these tests. So, you know, you can just check with a local high school and ask them what kind of criterion they need for you to get the waivers, which will pay for up to four tests of the SAT okay. and the and you can also sign up for the ACT on the college boards? No, no, no. ACT is, is a different it? company. ACT.org. Okay, well, okay. So that would be where you go for there. Okay, great. Well, Jean, any last words? Because we are out of time. You know, 
I'm a big believer in knowing that anybody can ace these tests. These are learnable tests. They're beatable tests. I, I, you know, obviously you, it's like, it's like piano. It's like football. It's like baseball. You learn it and you practice. You learn how to do it and you mm-hmm. practice. If you learn the recurring patterns that are on these tests and you start to work on them and you practice, you start to solidify the information and start to internalize the strategies and answer every question in 30 seconds or less, you can beat this test, get high scores, and absolutely get amazing scholarship money. And, you know, it, it's something that you should really make priority. You know, unless you have tons of money to pay for college, uh, you know, and you don't want your kids to be in debt, you know, this is this is the avenue that can get you uh, your college dreams come true just simply based on a test. So great. Well, thank you so much, Jean. Everyone listening, um, one of the great things about this podcast is we come to you. Uh, you can go to iTunes and look for our College Prep Genius podcast and also visit Jean's site at collegeprepgenius.com. Thanks so much, Jean, and we'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius Radio Show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information, and we'll see you soon.